Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. It is so good to be with you today. Hey, I know a lot of us have plans to, to hang out, to chill out, and maybe grill out, the weather permitting, right? I know some of our plans have been rescheduled or canceled because of the weather, but man, I just want to take a moment to remember what this day truly is about. And a lot of, for, for me, as I was growing up, it was a, you know, unfortunately it was a day like, oh man, I have, I have Monday off of school or it's an extra long weekend or now I maybe have a, a day off of work. But it, it's important for us to truly remember what Memorial Day is about. It's about honoring those who have paid the ultimate price so that we may be able to experience the freedoms and be able to experience what we're doing today in church. See, I learned that sometimes a, uh, the best teacher is a great reminder. So I have to continually remind myself that we get to experience in America freedoms that most of the other world don't get to experience. And it's because of those that have laid down their life, that have laid down their lives for the, on the altar of freedom. And so today, as a church body, we honor, we commemorate, and we celebrate. Because I know for some of you, I was talking to an individual out in the lobby after our first service. And he was tearing up because he remembers someone that, that he was with. That was so close to, and near and dear to his heart. That passed away because of his service for the U.S. and to our freedom. And so Multiply Church, I just want to take a moment and say, as we celebrate those that have given their lives. And so for some of you, those, that, that is, it is a, a, a tough day for you because you remember those that you have lost. And so my prayer is this, is that you would meet the peace of God and that you would understand that, that, their, that their sacrifice was not in vain. It was, but it's because now we have the charge to take things forward and to continue to honor those and to continue to fight for what we know we should fight for. So Multiply Church, can we go ahead and honor by celebrating those that have paid the ultimate price as we commemorate and honor those all that have fallen in the armed services for this Memorial Day. Thank you. And if you've been around our church for long enough, you know that, that we're a culture of honor. And we love honoring people. So once a month, we like to take some time to recognize a volunteer at our church. And this is an individual that really needs no introduction. Maybe you haven't even met him, so I will introduce him. But he has been an integral part of what we do every single week. So before I talk about him more, I want him to come up on stage with me. He is Mr. Nate Fosno. Where's Nate? Nate, come on up here, buddy. Let's give him a round of applause as he comes up here. Mr. Nate Fosno is our volunteer of the month. And for those of you who haven't met Nate, Nate is a part of our setup and teardown team. And you've been on that team for how long now? Nine months. And if you don't know, we are a set up and tear down church. This is not our building. So what happens with the chairs, what happens with the lobby, the kids area, everything you see with the pipe and drape and the tables, Nate and his team take care of that. So he's here at 6 to 6.30 every single Sunday. He's, he's tearing down until 1, 1.30 in the afternoon. 
And what he does behind the scenes really is never taking time to be appreciated. But I want you to know, Nate, that what you do and how you serve is impacting the kingdom far beyond what you will ever understand. And maybe you do recognize it, but I want you to know that you are impacting the kingdom. Just because you're not up here with the mic every single Sunday doesn't mean that you're not making, if not more of an impact for the kingdom than anyone up on this stage. So I just want to say thank you. And this is Nate's heart. Even today, we know it was raining today, right? Someone snapped this picture of Nate setting up in the pouring down rain. This is the heart that Nate has. So Nate, as a token of our appreciation, as a small thank you, this is for you. Thank you for what you do every single week for us. And thank you for your heart to serve, Nate. Really appreciate you, man. Let's give it up for Mr. Nate Fosno. And last but not least, next week, next week, we are entering into our summer series. We are going through the book of Romans. We had the opportunity throughout the entire summer to dive chapter by chapter into the book of Romans. So that's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be our summer series starting next week. Let's dive in. Hey, my name is Manny Provenzano. I know I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of you, but some of you I have not met yet. So I thought an introduction would, would be in, uh, in order. Uh, I've been on staff now for a little over seven months, and it's been one of the greatest honors for my family and I to be a part of the pastoral staff. And I always heard that it's very important to make a good first impression in the first couple of moments. So I thought that instead of me trying to make a good first impression, I know the girls in my life are going to make a better impression than I could ever make. So this is, these are my girls. This is my wife, Ashley. We've been married for almost four and a half years. That's my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Lennon, and my two-and-a-half-month-old daughter, Cora. And, man, we have just been so honored and blessed to be a part of this church family. And thank you so much for welcoming us into your home and into this home as we get to serve alongside of every single one of you. And I also just want to take a moment to thank Pastor Zach as well. For him for trusting me to not only lead this weekend, but for him to continue to pour into my life and into my family's life every single day. And one of the greatest things, not the greatest, but one of the things that I respect most about Pastor Zach is the fact that he has the ability to challenge us. He has the ability to convict us. He has the ability to encourage us. He has the ability to get in our grits. He has the ability to step in our toes all in about 15-minute window of time. Don't you love that about Pastor Zach? He's out in South Africa right now, and he's pouring into a, a ministry of church planters that go all across the world, and he was, he was chosen to speak uh, to these church planters. So we're just honored that he has the ability to travel to South Africa to, to speak into others' lives. But I'm thankful that he speaks to, in, into our lives on a regular basis. Are you? I am as well. Well, hey, I, I believe that the Lord has placed a message on my heart today. That's a practical message. It's a message that deals with fundamental principles to help us thrive as men, women, kids, families, young adults, and within our marriages, as we've been talking about over the last six weeks. And if I were going to title this message, if I was going to put a title to this message after all that we've talked about the last six weeks, as I wrap up this series for us, the title of this message would be, Home is Where the Heart Is. And I'm not talking about the theme or a line in every single Christmas Lifetime movie, 
where a big city girl meets a small town boy. The big city girl goes to the small town for a work trip over Christmas time. At first, they don't like each other. They have so many differences, but they end up doing something that they like together. They fall in love and they live happily ever after. That's not what I'm talking about today. But what I am talking about is how it's worth a lifetime running after Jesus. And what we have been talking about and are going to continue to talk about is how it's worth a lifetime fighting for the things that are worth fighting for. So over the last six weeks, we've been in our home series. And we've had important, relevant, and timely conversations about what the Bible says to thrive within our own home and within our church home. And if you've missed a, a, a week or two of this series, here's my encouragement. Go to our channel on YouTube. Watch that message because there's been so much good content shared that's, that is biblically sound. Pastor Zach has been telling us week after week that we have to have a starting point, and that starting point is what? It's the Bible. So go back and listen to that message. But in week one, what we learned was that chaos and confusion can lead to destruction. But if we have a unified front, meaning if we're pulling in the same direction as our church home, as our own home, then chaos and confusion cannot cripple us and cannot destroy us because we serve a God that is the opposite of chaos and confusion. So we've taken a look at how men thrive, how women thrive, how kids and families thrive, how marriages thrive within this home and how to thrive within our church home. And if I was to paint one picture of what this series has meant to me, it was what I believe to have put the, uh, the, the company Under Armour on the map back in 2003. It was a commercial. This commercial was, a, was a, on a campaign called Protect This House. And in this commercial that I believe that put Under Armour on the map was a, uh, a football team in a weight room. And they're pumping iron and they're getting after it and the music is, is loud and it's bumping and there's some, some stuff happening. There's just an energy in the room. And then they get into this huddle and the captain of the team with everything he has, with the music now louder than ever, they're clapping it up, they're hooting and hollering, and he yells, will you protect this house? And everyone else yells back, we will, we will. Man, I don't know about you, I wish I could yell that even better if we were actually in a huddle together, but I, that, that was a powerful moment for me. That commercial and that campaign has set them up for the next 20 years. And there's no doubt that that commercial is powerful. But here's my question. If a sportswear company can have an impact on the entire sports world with their branding in a, in a simple campaign, what happens when we run our own campaign of we must protect this house and begin to continue to fight for the things that are worth fighting for? So today, as we wrap up our series, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And in this passage, what we're going to see is how a properly postured heart prepares us for a thriving, unified home. So let's dive in. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So I want to spend our time today diving into the truths and the teachings of this short scripture by asking two questions and posing one declaration that should challenge us, no matter the season that we're in, to live as a unified front and to learn how to fight for the things that are actually worth fighting for. So here they are. Here are the three topics. And I know some of you are thanking me right now for giving you the answers before we get going. But for me, I like having the end in sight. So here are the, here are the two questions in the one declaration. Number one, am I open and available? Second question is, does my life reveal that Christ is most important? Then we're going to end our time today with the declaration of the choice is ours. So one, first question, am I open and available? Picking back up in verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now you might be thinking as, as I thought, as I first read this scripture, man, this is just a, a detail in a story. This is just a filler verse that I can just read by really quick and not think anything else of. You might be even thinking, man, I had some people over to dinner uh, last week, I made a killer meal. I even posted that picture on Instagram, but I'm not, that's not going to be talked about for years to come. Why, why is that in the Bible? But I think it has some very important implications about that simple verse of Martha opening up her home. Because what we see throughout scripture is this, is that the, is that the ones or the individuals that are open and available are the ones that do great things for the Lord. For example, let's just take a, a look at a couple of examples. The disciples, they were open and available. They left the comfort of their own ways, what they were so accustomed to, to follow Jesus. But because they were open and available, look at what they were able to do and look at the impact that they've had throughout history. The prophet Isaiah. Let's read Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then, the Lord, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, I said, here I am, send me. And because Isaiah was open and available to the works the Lord wanted to do in and through his life, he is now known as one of the greatest prophets, and he is the individual that predicts the birth of Jesus well before Jesus is actually born. Some other examples of characters in the Bible, individuals in the Bible that are open and available. David was open and available. Moses was open and available. I mean, we can go on and on and on with the list of individuals in the Bible that were open and available and to see the fruit that was a result of their openness and availability. And I'm sure that we can all think of individuals in our lives today that were open and available and you see the impact that they've made in our lives and in other people's lives as well. As I was preparing this, this message, I was in the coffee shop, 
and a family uh, member walked in that attends this church. And how, I was having a conversation with him. And he begins to tell me just a little bit about the realities of his business. And he was telling me that him and his wife own a small business. And he was telling me that in 2022, it was a tough year financially for them. That, they, that things weren't turning out the way that they hoped or expected or planned for them to turn out. But then he began to tell me that during a series that Pastor Zach went through last year, when we started talking about the miracle offering, he was spending time with the Lord, and he said that the Lord placed a specific number to give to the miracle offering. But he said that number was so absurd to him because they didn't even have that number in their bank account. So he said, Lord, I, I, I'll do it, but I'm going to talk to my wife first about it. Some, some, some of you are probably thinking, smart man, right? But they, he has a conversation with his wife. And he said, do you have a number? And she said, yeah, I have a number. He said, why don't we do this? Why don't we say it out loud together on the count of three? And if it's anywhere close to each other, then that's, that's what we'll do. One, two, three. They said it. It was the, the exact same number. And he proceeded to tell me that within the course of the, over the next six months, heading into 2023, that his business has completely turned around that he has more work that he knows what to do with right now, and that they also were able to step into a home that they've been praying for for a long time. Here's the heart of the message. The heart of the message is not that they were able to turn their business around. The heart of the message was not they were able to get a new home, but it was because they were open and available to hear a word from the Lord, that the Lord was able to use that obedience and that openness and that availability to do something great in and through their lives, and now they're making a great impact for the kingdom because of their openness and availability for the Lord. See, what we're talking about is this word abide. If you look at John 15, verse 4, the word abide is used, and it says, Jesus is talking here, and Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, abiding in Christ is allowing his word to fill our minds, to direct our will, and to transform our affections. And even more simply put, it's to remain or to stay, to continue or to persist. And that's the kind of faith that I want to have. That's the kind of relationship with Christ that I want to have. One that continues to persist no matter the season that I'm in. If, but if we're not abiding, if we're not persisting in Christ and the worries and the stresses and the fears come, and we all know that they do, they always have a way of entering into our lives, we will not know how to handle the chaos. And as we just read, though, when we do persist, when we do abide, we see in Scripture, as we just read it in John 15, verse 4, that we will bear great fruit if we abide in Christ. And one of those fruits is being able to discern the Lord's voice. But if we aren't persisting and the worries and stress and the fears come, then it's hard to discern the Lord's voice. Let me give a practical example here. If, if I'm at a park with my family, with my wife and my girls. 
and the park is crowded. Let's say there's a big event going on, and there's hundreds of kids, hundreds of adults. All the kids are playing on the playground. They're having a great time. It's loud. It's fun. It's chaotic. And then one of the kids decides to yell out. How many of you know, no matter how far away that you are in that park, if your kid or your spouse yells out, you immediately know their voice? You know it without a shadow of a doubt. If a baby cries, and they're like, oh, that's not my baby. But another baby cries, you're like, that's my kid. Why? Why, why, why are you able to discern the people's voice that are closest to you? It's because you spend time with them. It's because we live with them. It's because we sit down and actually have conversations with them. We, we, we cherish the time that we have with them. That's what it looks like to abide in Christ. It's about cherishing the moment. It's about persisting and continuing and being able to discern the voice of the Lord. So Martha opening up her home is, is more than just a detail in a story. It should really challenge us to live a life that is open and available to what Christ wants to accomplish in our lives. But we've got to ask ourselves if we're truly open and available to Christ. And when we answer that question, that can lead us to the second question of does my life reveal that Christ is most important? Picking back up in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. We see here that Martha finally gets fed up. She reaches her tipping point. She's been doing all the work. She's been preparing the meal. She's been preparing the house. She's getting things ready. And her sister is just sitting at the feet of Jesus when there's all of these items to take care of. Jesus' response in verse 41 is such a great response. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Or another version says, you are worried, upset, and anxious about many things. But what Jesus was trying to tell Martha in her moment of complaining was trying to get her to understand the difference between the busyness of life and what is most important. See, isn't it so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life? Look, I get it. I, I really get it. And I'm sure most of us understand that as well. Is that we're busy. Life is busy. We have jobs to maintain. We have relationships to maintain. We have kids to raise. We have soccer practice to go to. We have football games. We have a lawn to mow. We have a house to clean. We have taxes to pay. We have bills to pay. We have all these things that we're thinking about even right now as you're listening to to this message, you're thinking about all the things that we've got to get done this week. Or maybe you, you're having people over to your house today for Memorial Day and you're thinking about, man, I got to do this, 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 and this. Life is busy. I feel like sometimes we're, we're in that, that country song. You remember that, that country song? I, I'm not going to try to sing the whole thing, but I'll give it my best. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I See, that, that's, 
that's some of the stories of our lives, is it not? Is that we're going 100 miles an hour and we're missing, we can miss out on one of the most important things. And that thing is spending quality and intimate time with Jesus. See, here's what I'm convinced of. I am convinced that one of, one of Satan's most important and effective tactics is to keep us so busy that we don't have any time to build our relationship with Christ. That we fill our day-to-day, we fill our to-do list, we have a color-coded to-do list with all the things that we've got to accomplish for that day, for that week. We have goals, we have aspirations. And I'm not saying that those aren't good, but we fill our lives up to the brim where the devil says, ha, I got them. They're so busy that they don't have time for their relationship with Christ. And here's the reality. The reality is we will always make time for what is most important to us. It's not the best thing to hear, right? But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, we will always make time for what is most important. See, if our lives are to reveal that Christ is most important, we ultimately do what is most important. But if Christ was the most important, we have to look at all the urgencies and the busyness of life and still take the posture of Mary to sit and listen to the Lord, no matter what's going on, no matter all the preparations, no matter what's happening. It's making a conscious decision that we're going to take time and spend it with the Lord because that will reveal that Christ is most important and not just the busyness of life that is most important in our lives. So here's my encouragement. Let's not let the distractions, let's, let not, the, let's not let the busyness of life keep us from spending quality, intimate time with the Lord. And here's the declaration. The choice is ours. And I love this. Picking back up in verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, here's what, here's what Jesus is not saying. He's not telling Martha that what she has been doing is wrong. He hasn't been telling her that what she's doing isn't meaningful. See, I, I see that Martha has a heart of service. Martha has the gift of hospitality. So what she was doing isn't necessarily wrong. All that Jesus was saying was, all that you're doing is, is fine, but what your sister is doing when you're complaining to me to tell me, to tell me that Mary is not doing anything but sitting with me, but Mary is doing the thing that I've called her to do. And, and I love, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a creative liberty here, but I would imagine that if Martha were to hear this response that Jesus gave her in verse 41 and 42, where he says, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. If Martha truly had ears to hear and eyes to see what the Lord was really saying to her in that moment, I have to believe that Martha would have taken a deep breath, relaxed her jawline, and said, thank you, Lord, 
for telling me what was important in my life. Because what if, Mary, what if Martha didn't choose that? What if Martha didn't have ears to hear and she kept on doing what she was always doing? What if she kept on letting the busyness of life run her life to where she forgot or didn't think about what was most important? What if one of her friends came to her years later and said, Martha, what was it like? What was it like that you had the Messiah in your home? Tell me the stories that he shared with you. Tell me what he taught you. And she responded back, I don't know. I had a, a house to clean. I had a family to take care of. I had a meal to prepare. We don't know what happens because the end of the chapter it ends in verse 42. So we don't know the response. But I would hope to think that Martha had that response and said, okay, I get it, Lord. You're right. I can't let the distractions of this world, I can't let the busyness of everyday life consume me to a point where the enemy is going to be clapping in my corner because I'm so distracted that I have no time for him. See, what we're really talking about is living and leaving a legacy. See, we all want to make the right choice. I want to make the right choice. See, John Maxwell sums up the word legacy in such a simple quote. John Maxwell says, when you have a legacy, it means that you have lived your life for something bigger than yourself. We have a choice to make. What's the legacy that you want to live? What's the legacy that you want to leave? Look, I don't care if you're 15 years old. I don't care if you're 85 years old. We all have a legacy that we want to live and we want to leave. Some of you have a picture in your head right now of what a legacy is and what you want to leave behind. Here, here, here's a legacy for me. This picture right here was taken two weeks ago on Mother's Day. During child dedications, we were dedicating our, our little baby Cora. And this is my daughter, Lennon. This is the first time that she came into worship. And during the, one of the worship songs, she began to, to raise her hand. And as I was holding her, something welled up inside of me that was like, man. My wife told me later that she was tearing up. My father-in-law was here. He took a picture of this. And this, someone else took a picture of this. Here's, here's the reality. She might have been more concerned with the sparkling lights on her bracelet than she was actually worshiping. Because I think she was so enamored by the lights of her bracelet. But when I saw this picture here, it broke me. Because it puts my life into perspective. It says, man, if I can leave a legacy that my family and my girls are following the Lord, what else matters? What else is there to accomplish? When we look back on our lives, when you look back on your life, what is it that you want to say that, that the Lord says, good job and well done? What is it that, that for you? So as I wrap up today, the last thing that I want to leave us with is this. Pursuit is the proof of our desire. Whatever we pursue is what we really 
desire. So here's the question. Are we going to continue to rush through life pursuing success? Are we going to rush through life pursuing comfort? Are we going to rush through life pursuing a relationship? Or are we going to have the life that we want to have based upon what the Word of God says? Are we going to choose a life that's in pursuit and live and leave a legacy based upon what the Bible tells us? We have a choice to make. It's a choice that can say, hey, I was open to Jesus. I sat and listened to Him. I, my life revealed that Christ was most important. I made my choice and look at what He has done. Look at His faithfulness. Look at what He's accomplished in and through our lives and in through our church home because we said that we are a unified front by making that one decision. So church, can you stand with me as we continue to worship? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that we will, that we will make the choice and remember that the choice is ours to make. That the Lord has never left us. He has never forsaken us. He has been here the entire time. And if I can encourage you with one thing, remain open and available. Let your life reveal that Christ is most important. And always remember that the choice is ours to make, to live and to leave a legacy so that we can look back in our life and say, I made the right choice. I fought for the things that are worth fighting for. Because if we live a life towards Christ and with Christ and abide in Him, He shows us the things that are worth fighting for. And think about what we can do together as a church family if we fight for the things that are worth fighting for. Let's continue to worship today.